Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to go ahead and reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast. And if you really want to help, share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think would get some value out of it. Now on to today's guest and episode, I'm sitting down with Bennett Maxwell, who is the founder of Dirty Dough, which is a cookie company that has created the world's first three-layer cookie. This company is expanding rapidly, opening up multiple stores through franchise ownership. So he's going to talk about his expansion, how he's grown the model, the importance of franchising. And then he also spent some time in the solar sector with his first company and had a successful exit. So he's going to talk about that as well. I'm super excited to sit down with Bennett. Other than that, I hope everyone enjoys this week's episode. Thanks so much for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, how's the, uh, I know we're sitting at Tuesday. How's the week been for you so far? Good, man. Just woke up from a nap, dude. Uh-huh, I love it. <laughs> taking those midday naps. So, um, no, dude, my energy levels, uh, I need a nap th- these days during the day to, to, <laughs> to make it by, but I'd rather do that than, you know, take a bunch of caffeine or something, so. True. Man, you got kids and stuff. How do you, uh, how do you find the time to yeah. nap with all that? I mean, I'm talking like 20 minutes, man. Oh, okay. I throw on some white noise. I throw on a meditation app called waking up. And it's like usually like 10 minutes and I, it'll piss me to sleep every time. And then I put a, just an alarm for 20 minutes later. So nice. they're quick. Have you seen a big difference just in like energy, productivity, all that with doing the naps, would you say? Or? Oh yeah. When I wake up, I'm, I feel good. Yeah. So, um, no, I've been doing that for a little bit. I was doing, testosterone for a little bit. And man, if you try testosterone, do that, your energy levels are through the roof. <laughs> like I was no caffeine, no naps, nothing. And I was on a very calorie restricted diet. Um, cause I actually just had a, a gastric sleeve surgery. So I was eating like wow. 500 calories for several weeks and then barely wow. got up to a thousand, you know, and my energy levels were, were amazing because of the testosterone. Yeah. And then anyways, but once you're on it, you kind of have to plan on being on it forever. So now that I'm losing weight, the doctor said, get off of it for a little bit. See how you do. See if your testosterone levels come up naturally. So I jumped back off of it and that's, <laughs> I'm noticing the that's difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, I did read cause I'm, I'm trying to gain some muscle right now and it's just not, not working well. And so I I've read about, you know, taking testosterone to help with the energy levels just to help in the gym and all that. But I did read also once you're on and it's kind of like you're yeah. on it type of thing. So you're committed to it. Um, but there's blood tests you could do. I, I didn't know I was low testosterone. I just went and took like a full panel hormone test and it came back that my testosterone was 201, I'm 29 years old. 
super low for somebody my age. But I was also 310 pounds at the time, you know, very overweight. Um, so that's what I'm seeing if that, you know, how much of, of a factor that played into it. Dude, I mean, we're sitting on a video right now. You look a hell of a lot uh, lighter than 300 pounds. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm Good job. Now. I'm, down, I'm down 75 since the surgery, maybe four months ago. So, no, it's it's been amazing. I feel great. And I do yoga as well. So now I like can actually touch my toes. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, anyways, congrats on that, man. I mean, I know it's Thank no you. easy battle to lose weight regardless of the method. So, man, I just want to congratulate yeah. you. That's huge. Appreciate it, man. But, uh, but yeah, man, we could probably talk health all day, even though it's kind of ironic because you run a cookie company. But um, <laughs> before we start diving into that, I, I want to go back to kind of where you cut your teeth. You know, I've read and, and I heard on some different podcasts you were doing door-to-door sales. Is that correct? Yeah, that's really all I've ever done. I haven't really ever had a, a normal job. You know, I've never made mm-hmm. like a resume to apply somewhere. Um, it's always been the, yeah, you eat what you kill type deal. You know, you go make commissions and only commissions. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, what got you into door-to-door? Because I imagine it wasn't just like, I want to do this, or maybe it was, but what got no. you into that? <laughs> Nobody wants to do door-to-door, yeah. dude. Are you kidding me? Um, Utah. So Utah, uh, it's primarily Mormon. And you're, and I, don't, I grew up Mormon as well. And uh, they send you off or you choose to go off, you know, on a two-year mission where you're knocking for two years selling Jesus. Like, I'm, like you don't call home. You get to call home twice a year, Mother's Day twice. and Christmas. And you're just focused on missionary work, like 6.30 a.m. till 9 p.m. That's all you do, like every moment in your day. You get a half a day off. Um, on Mondays where you could email home, but not call home and you have one hour. So it's like, you're intense doing this, you know, and you're knocking doors and just cold calling people. Um, but it's also a, a, a big cultural thing here. Cause like, you know, over 50% of the state is, is LDS is Mormon. Um, so anyways, all of the largest door to door sales companies are based right here out of Utah because you get these young kids, 20, 21 years old that just came from a two year Mormon mission knocking doors for two years for free. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, how about you get paid to do it now? So everyone here does it. If you go to college here, you will walk down the halls and there's people with booths recruiting uh, recruiting you to do what's called summer sales. And the pitch is you come out for a summer and I know you just t- told me you're from Charlotte, right? Yep. So I did, a, I did a summer in Charlotte. That was my first like full summer was I was doing pest control in Charlotte. So you, you come out for four to five months, you make enough money to pay for school and, you know, sustain yourself throughout school. So that way you could just focus, you could graduate debt-free and you could focus on your school. So that's the pitch. And yeah, all the largest door-to-door sales companies are right here in like Provo, Utah, where there's two large universities. Um, So yeah, that's how it is. And I'm very fortunate to grow up in this community because I went and started doing sales and I, I really, I did two months of sales knocking doors because they recruited me at the end of the summer and I'd never done pest. I mean, I don't even know what pest control is, but I I made 24,000 in my first two months. I'm like, this is pretty cool. You know, like I studied hard and you know, I was knocking a lot of doors the second summer. I'm like, well, cool. I'm going to recruit a whole team. So I got 40 other idiots like me to move (laughs) out to North Carolina and uh, yeah, 40 of us showed up that summer, um, moved across the country and it was great. I mean, I think I made like a quarter million that year in four and a half, five months. And I'm like, 
yeah, I'm done with school. You know, like yeah. this is this is what I want to do. And then I moved, and there's a lot of different things you can sell door to door. Pest control is kind of, I guess, the mo- most entry level. Then I moved over to satellite, like TV sales and AT and T internet. Then I did Vivint security, like home security, smart home, doorbell cameras, and then I did solar. So that's kind of the progression. I slowly got a higher ticket item, but the entire time it's 100% commission. You go out that day, you you start at zero every day. If you don't make a sale, you didn't make a dime. You just wasted your day. Yeah. Not really, right? But that's kind of how, how how some people see it. And then I ended up uh, starting a solar company, uh, you know, doing door-to-door as well as online sales and marketing for for different installers. But yeah, that's how, that's just what you do when you're in Utah, man. You, you go hit the doors. And yeah, you can make multiple six figures in four or five months. It's it's an amazing opportunity. That's insane. I didn't even like realize, I didn't put two and two together of Mormon no. knocking on doors, selling yeah. Jesus. And then it's like, you want to make money doing this type of thing. Yeah. And it's great money because who wants to go, who wants to go knock 10,000 doors, you know, in, in two years? Like not nobody, right? Yeah. Because what's your success rate on the doors? You know, you're getting way, way, way more no's than yes. Yeah. So if you could go do that for two years, and again, it's like a cultural thing of like, you don't go home early. If you get home, go home early, like there's a little shame going on in the local community. You know, yeah. you see it as a mission. So people go out to the summer, the summer sales things, like I'm going to finish it no matter what. And then like, they don't look at it so much as a job, but it's a mission. Sometimes you're like, no, dude, you're not making any money. Go home, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but it's great. I mean, you're, you're trained for two years on how to knock door to door and how to follow up and how to gain people's attention through a religious setting. And then you just apply that to pest control or door or, or solar. And, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it goes right over. And a lot of people in Utah, it's very entrepreneuristic because people, you're, you're kind of an entrepreneur, right? Mm. You're running your own business inside of somebody else's business because like I recruited those 40 dudes. I was responsible for training them. Mm-hmm. And making sure that they were out on the doors, you know, and providing support. Because if they didn't make a sell, I didn't make money off of them. It was all override based. So I'm like running my own little business inside of this other organization. So a lot of us go off to start creating businesses because that that was a way to kind of ease into it. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And w- w- would you say, so did you already have the rejection prior to going into the actual sales process is what it sounds like? What, what do you mean by that? Like, was I used to rejection? Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I got a door-to-door guy that's trying to b- been selling me windows for like a year and he keeps showing up yeah. to my house. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to rent this house out in like a year. I'm not trying to stay yeah, here. Like, so I, I could care it. less what the windows look like or what they are, right? And But he's just knocking right. every day. So he's facing rejection after rejection. But it's like, how, how did you get so used to that? Yeah, I mean, it's just repetition, you know? Yeah. I've probably knocked, I don't know. I mean, I did it for six years. Um, and, and most of the time, like, especially pest control, you're going for at least a hundred doors a day. Mm. So you're not doing the full year. You could do the math. I mean, that's probably 40, 50,000 doors that I've knocked on and half of those probably answered. And most of those told me no. So I, I mean, I'm very safe to say that I got over 10,000 no's in the last few years. <laughs> and that'll teach so, you something. It'll teach you something. Yeah. It, it, you, it's, it's still hard. Even today, if I go knock a door, I'm like, freak, I get nervous. You know, I, I, that still hits me. I'm like, oh man, what if I lost my ability to sell or whatever? I don't know. Um, but it, it is also at the same time, like comforting to know, like no matter what happens to me in my life, who doesn't want to hire somebody 
like me that says, look, dude, I, I, I could go sell whatever you, you need me to sell. Like uh, assuming I believe in the product, right? Um, you don't pay me unless you get paid and yeah. don't cap my income, you know? And that, I mean, that who, who wouldn't hire somebody like me that they don't pay me a dime until revenue hits their account. And I just feel like I have forever job stability, not so much in the door-to-door sales, but just in the sales in general, because I'm confident in my ability and I'm willing, and I'm always only going to work off hundred percent commission, you know? Uncapped, of course. Uncapped, for sure uncapped. Sure. And, and yeah. that's where it really gets, uh, you know, you can kind of see your potential to be like, okay, this is, this is cool. I could go make as much as money as well. I mean, especially in solar, there's people that'll make a million dollars, no teams, no overrides, nothing, knocking doors, because I was in San Diego and I, I knew three of them personally. They, they made over a million commissions on personal sales. My God. It's like, you you look at somebody knocking your door, you're like, you probably, you know, this is kind of, who's this low life? And people always told me, get a real job. I'm like, dude, I made way more money than you. You're probably making more in, than in, they're in, making, yeah. This month, I probably made more than you did in six months, you know? Right. I'm like, I, I'd be hitting at least 50 a month. Um, so, and, and they're like, go get a real job. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. Cool. You're like, go get a real <laughs> paycheck. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so with the solar company, you started it, I want to say what, 2019, was that it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, 2020, it, like January of 2020 is when we got our first recruit. And nice. it was me and my brother. When I say we, we, we partnered 50-50 on it. Where did you find like the supplier and all that stuff? Um, it's a really easy business to start. You're, you're calling up solar contractors and saying, hey, and, and you negotiate, um, what we refer to as like a red line or your price. It's like, Hey, how much do you need to install this project? Mm. And they'll say, well, I need for every panel you install, I need a thousand dollars. So it's like, cool. I'm going to go install, you know, my average system size, let's say, let's call it 20 panels. So it's 20,000. If I charge 30,000, then I make the difference. They just mm. want to get uh, fed first. And then everything else goes to the sales organization. And that's, probably pretty roughly what it is, our average system size, not per panel, but it's about 30,000. And we were keeping about 10 of that. Gotcha. And then it's so just- it's just calling on and making those contracts and then negotiating them like, well, what if we got, gave you higher volume, then would you give us 19,000, right? And those, that starts really adding up. Um, and then we just did the sales. So we just did sales and marketing. We didn't have to do any installation. We didn't have to do any contracting, any of that. So it was very easy for us to, to jump into. And then the key for our business was online leads. So you didn't have to knock as many doors. And then also just an automated process in the back end, sending gifts to customers to make it a very unique experience. So solar is about a month long. So we would be sending um, uh, cookies and then we'd send them a thank you card with the cookies. And then we would send them a little box that says, you're not only saving money, you're saving the world. And it legitimately had an action figure toy in there from like a, like an Avengers action figure and customers love that. You know, they would get that and they'd be like, Oh, you know, my kid's playing with that. Then we'd send them a bonsai tree, which is called the money bonsai tree to remind them how much money they're saving. We would order them dinner. And then we would also um, give them two bottles of wine on the day of the install. So every week we were reaching out to them and this was all automated through software and some manual labor, but that manual labor was done out of the Philippines. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, we hired a lot of people out of the Philippines to, help us and they are incredible people and they really run the business for us. But then the customer's thinking like, it's all you guys know automation. They think it's the sales rep. That's how it's all phrased. And and it's like, well, the sales rep, they need to do that. But 
where's your time the most valuable? Yeah. Your time is most valuable pitching somebody. So why why do you do why would we want our sales reps doing anything other than pitching somebody? So it's like let us do the follow up, let us do the gifting, let us ask for referrals, let us try to get you leads. You just sit down for as many appointments as you can and try to close those. That was the whole objective: is focus on what you're good at. You know, uh, let let closers close, lead setters lead set, and people that follow up follow up rather than asking a sales rep to kind of do it all. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. I'm, I'm in sales and like, I hate the minute tasks that have, that aren't income producing opportunities, right? It's like, I'd rather yeah. outsource that or have somebody else do it so I can focus on following up cold call and setting, setting meetings. Um, but man, I love that customer service approach. I'm going to like save this and show this to my dad. Cause my dad's so old school with like, you need to write thank you notes and you need to do this and yeah. do that. And he's going to love that. And I like that too, because I'm sure that that was word of mouth of like, this company's great. I'm sure the bottle of wine, like, hey, neighbor, come have some yeah, of this who, with me. Like, who does that? You know, the, the, yeah, they're purchasing solar, but yeah. one, it's something that saves them money. It's always zero down and it saves them money instantly. Um, but even then, like you, you could buy, you buy cars, people buy cars for over $30,000 all the time. Nobody's yeah. doing this. You can buy a house for half a million. Nobody's doing this. So it was a very big wow factor of like, this is cool. They're following up with me every single week and sending me a gift every single week up until the install. Yeah. And no, it don't cost us a few hundred bucks. That was like 200. I think we factored in like 230 bucks per account, including sometimes we send cookies and the account cancels, right? That's including the wastage. And then it's also including the labor on the back end to, you know, type the, the text messages, all of that stuff. Um, so very low cost, you know, you, you pay two hundred thirty dollars. You 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 do that ten times. You'll you'll probably close a deal out of that. So you pay twenty three hundred dollars to make ten grand. You know, not not a bad gig. Yeah, and that's something I think people fail to realize is just the investment that you have to make in order to close the deal. It's like, oh man, you know, twenty three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. but you know, you're getting these deals out of it, which is going to translate to even more money down the road. I think that's just a shift people need to have in business, in my opinion. Yeah, and I and I learned that from door to door sales, specifically yeah. Vivint. I knock on your door because you had an ADT sign. And I'm like, oh, this person's already a good candidate, right? They already pay for security. I can give them a smart home system for a similar price, like doorbell cameras, all that. So I'm like, I'm knocking on their doors. And, you know, Chris, you're like, dude, I this sounds great, but I'm in a, I'm in a, I signed a contract with ADT. Well, I know the contract in California, because I mainly sold in California, is only two years. Everywhere else, it's three years. Okay, how long have you had it for? Well, I don't know. Oh, well, look, I got ADT's number right here. Let's call them real quick and see how long you're in the contract. Oh, you got eight months left. Okay, cool. Eight months, and how much are you paying per month? I would pay 50 bucks a month. Okay, so to buy out the rest of your contract, it's 400 bucks. I would. I had a checkbook, and I would write him a check for 400 bucks, and then I would switch him over. And that's how we did it, you know, because I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll pay 400 bucks today because I'll make $800 on this account. But yeah, yeah I mean, I would I would invest, that's you know, so 10 grand, funny. 20 grand a summer in, in these buyouts, um, but I'll sell, you know, several hundred accounts in a summer. I'm just like thinking about the guy on the other side, like, all right, sure, let's do it. And you're just yeah, like, I'm all right. right, here's a freaking check. And the other thing yeah. is I wouldn't even have to actually write the check. I mean, this has been several years now. I, forget, yeah. I think it was like 80% or 75% of what's the overall contract. So it'd really be the total contract, you know, 50 bucks a month over eight months, $400. I'd only have to pay 75% of that. So I'm really only writing a check for 300. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that makes sense. So I want to share a lot of it's with momentum though as well. You you get mm-hmm. your first sell of the day, you're more likely to go close the next door. 
So I would even sometimes do buyouts that like I'm making barely anything, but I'm like, it's for the number, it's for the competition, it's for yes. the the motivation. Yeah, you're just trying to get that momentum because once you get momentum, it's just compounding either way, like negative momentum or positive yeah. momentum. Yep. Um, so want to shift gears to, to dirty dough, of course. So can you kind of elaborate on the shift from solar and then into dirty dough? Yeah, so I was running the solar company out of San Diego full-time and the opportunity presented itself to, I mean, I was wanting to franchise the business and be the first franchisee. The owner, the founder, didn't want to franchise. He's like, I'm, I'm burnt out. I want to move back to Utah. That's where he's from. I knew him from high school. So, and I'd already looked into buying a cookie franchise uh, from a company called Crumble. And they required you to be owner-operated, which is like, cool, but who wants to buy their own job? That's exactly what that is, right? You pay for a franchise, then they require you to work there full-time. Well, that's a job. That's not an investment. It's not a business, in my opinion. Um, that's a job. So when I when the opportunity opportunity presented itself, the goal was I'm going to franchise this after making it so simple that a dummy like me that's running a, a business full-time in San Diego, I've never been in food, I've never been in franchising, and yet here I am now running a cookie company out of state. So that's that was the, I mean, there wasn't any like kind of transition. It was like, I have extra capital laying around I'm a business owner. I know the fundamentals of running business. I know nothing about food, but let me hire the people that do know things about food. Let's franchise this and then go target other people like me that have a little bit of extra money that know how to run a business, but don't know how to measure flour if you if you pack it or how to get the air bubbles and how long to mix it, all of that. To this day, I've never made a batch of Dirty Dough cookies. Um but I have people in place for that. So that was that transition. I was running both companies at the same time and uh, it was just too much. I sold the solar company just over a year ago and that was in June of 2021. And that's when I dove in full-time to Dirty Dome. And the kind of timeline from there, I recruited um, advisory board, a really good CEO, a, an amazing ops person, an amazing um, production, logistics, kind of just got built out the whole team, really high level people that have you know done this for hundreds of stores. And then um, we franchised in December. So we're in October. So 11 months ago is when we franchised. And we have seven stores open, two more opening this week. And we've sold over 200. I think we're at like 210 probably. Wow. That, that's amazing. And that's in, I mean, what, like two or three years time frame. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I bought it a year, just over a year, just under two years ago. Yeah, and then you've already grown that much. That, that's awesome. What and yeah. something something I thought was funny was like you're like I've never made a batch. Like, do, so you outsource or just hired the right people in place to do that? Is what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm not a baker, you know, and uh, I can I can learn how to do it, but why? That's never what I'm going to be doing. Talking about like that principle of letting do what you're good at. I'm not a good baker. I'm not a good food person. I'm not even a good manager, mm. but I can recruit people that manage, you know, I'm a good visionary and recruiter and selling people on the big vision of where we're going. Um, but I know I suck at managing. I'm not good at the day to day stuff. You know, I, so it's I'm going to do what I'm good at. I'm going to hire people to do what they're good at. And then my job in the company is really because I'm not the CEO, I'm not the ops guy, I'm not the salesperson. Um, it's really just making sure everything is fitting together correctly. I would say my job mainly that I oversee is kind of the the legal and the 
making sure there's money, right? Whether that's we're raising capital, bring on investment, whatever that is, but like making sure everything's in place so the team that I have can run. Mm. Is that is that what you would suggest to other you know entrepreneurs, maybe if they're on their first business, just to automate and kind of outsource and hire on the skill sets that they don't have? Oh, 100%. Um, and it's hard because like, where do you get the money from it, right? But if you have the right business, for me, it was franchises. So who wants to buy a franchise from a solar dude, a food friend? Nobody does, right? So, okay, do I have money to hire a CEO that has you know, has been in franchising for 40 years and sold her company after growing it to under 700, just under 700 locations. Well, no, I don't, I don't have an extra 10, 20 grand lying around every month, but can I sell more franchises with, with her, with Jill? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we charging, we started off charging 30,000 for the franchise fee. Now we're up to 50, but at 30,000, it's like, okay, can I sell one more store per month by having somebody actually with experience. And it's like, mm. well, of course I can. So kind of, it's it's a balance, it's hard, but the goal should always be when you get into a business is you need to envision what your business is gonna look like in, in, in three to five years. Then you need to build out the organization chart. I'm gonna have a CEO, I'm gonna have a COO, a CFO, and then a bookkeeper, and then uh, you know chief revenue officer and a regional salesperson, and uh, a manager and the salesperson, you build out the whole organization of what you want your business to look like and you just put Chris in every single one. So it's a stupid activity at first, right? And then you go working on each of those positions, starting with the lowest and building the, the SOPs, the standard operating procedures of like, this is what the salesperson is. Once that's built out, then you promote yourself to the manager and then you hire salesperson. And then you build out exactly what the manager is, who they are, what they do, what they stand for, the you know how they train, and then you either promote a salesperson and hire more salespeople, or hire an outside manager. Then now you're promoted to the regional. So it's called the E Myth. That's the principle. E Myth, the letter E, and that stands for Entrepreneur Myth. It's a book. It's on Audible as well. It's absolutely amazing. At least, if nothing else, go to YouTube and put E Myth Revisited Summary and listen to the 10 minute summary of it. And you'll get the principle that I'm describing here. And the entrepreneur myth is I'm a I'm a good baker, so I want to start a baking business, right? Mm. A bakery. That's not the same skill set though. Just like I'm an me personally, Bennett is an amazing salesperson, but I'm a shitty manager. You know, yeah. it's not the same business. And that's what pretty much that's what this entrepreneur myth is. Is just because you're a good technician, whether that's a baker, a plumber or a salesperson does not mean you know how to run a business. Mm -hmm. So it's teaching you that you don't want to buy your own job per se. You want to own a business that makes money without you, that's running without you. And then you work on the business rather than in the business. So uh, uh, really good book. E-Myth is what you said? E-Myth Revisited. And it's like Michael Gerber cool. or something. I um I love that you mentioned that of working you said in the business versus on the business right, but no work on the business not on the in business, the business. Yeah, so in right. the business is you come into my cookie shop and I'm serving you cookies that's I'm working in my business, working on my business is we're making the next key hire, we're bringing in the next round of funding, we're we're making processes easier for people, we're making we're we're bringing in you know just expanding the business more than that single location. Cause if I'm working in that single location, that's all I'm doing. You know, I'm only, 
my 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 reach is limited to that single location if that's where I'm working at. Yeah, I, I love that because I think so many small businesses they just get trapped of you know hey I'm a good technician I'm gonna start you know my own mechanic shop or hey mm-hmm. I'm a good painter I'm gonna start this you know I worked for a guy in landscaping a while back. Uh, this is between summers and college, and like he was great at yard work, but dude, he was a horrible business owner. And yeah. it would have been great if he had people in place. He's just the owner. Maybe he helps out with some of the landscaping and has people in place to run it. And I feel like he's just an example of thousands of others that are unfortunately in that position. Yeah, that's where most everybody is, you know, kind of a small business. If I don't show up, I don't make money. Not only do I know, so that's that sounds like a job, right? And not only is it a job, but you work, you will always work the most hours and you will always get paid last. And you're like, yeah. well, why would I do that then? <laughs> right. um, but, and, you know, that's that's just what we do because we don't know. Uh, and that's what I've done, you know. And then I was lucky enough to take a startup course and really teach me about business from people that have built it. A business like this this guy, and now he's our senior advisor. His company, when he took it public, it was valued at $30 billion. And then he's hit several other home runs of multi-billion or, you know, several hundred million dollars. And it's like, you learn from somebody that's kind of been there, done that. And one of the things that I learned from him as well is the other trap that we fall into is like, oh, well, I'm going to be my my own bookkeeper, right? Mm Because I can't afford to hire somebody. But I'm like, well, where's your talents the best? I mean, me personally and pretty much every entrepreneur should be in sales. Like why? Yeah. I'm not going to not hire somebody at $20 an hour to do my bookkeeping because I don't have the money. It's I'm going to go make the sales because I, I'm worth way more than $20 an hour. Uh, and once you realize that and just focus on what you're good at, then the money comes to hire out these other positions. But he's like, as an entrepreneur, your time is worth $1,000 an hour. Don't do any work that is under, that's I mean, that's the goal, right? From the, from day one, you have to kind of figure out things and set things in place. But you always want to be working towards the, uh, like this is my value and I'm going to hire out whatever else is, is a lower value. So like, I'm not going to save a few bucks by spending my time to write up something that my attorney could write up. So like, yeah, they charge four or 500 bucks an hour, but my time's more valuable than that. I'm going to go focus on closing a deal where our company will make $50,000 off of that deal rather than tripping over a few hundred bucks. Yeah. And that's going to make you more money in the long run because you're spending time on your expertise, spending time on what you're good at, closing more deals, which of course makes the company more money at the end of the day. Um, I want to shift gears real quick to balancing family and growing your business. So, you know, I checked out your Instagram. Obviously you have a family. Um, how do you do that? Right. Cause you know, I'm 26. I got a couple of different things I'm working on. It's just me and my wife, but I'm like, Oh my God, like you have multiple kids. Like how, how are you balancing yeah. all this? You know, I got three kids, three, five and, and one. Nice. Um, I I wasn't balanced until I sold my solar company, and, and and I was lying to myself saying I'm doing this for my family. Right? They want me to work more because they want more money. Right? Mm. When it was really I wanted more money, but it's like, well, that's cool. But what do you want with the money? And for me, it came down to I had to dive in deeper. Okay, well, what do I want money for? Well, I want money because money gives me maybe a little bit of security. And then that security allows me to spend the excess money on vacations, right? Have more free time, which equals vacations, which equals time with my family. Time with my family makes me happy. Mm. Well, do I need to go through all of that or can I just be with my family now? So then I went through like this whole personal journey. When I sold the solar company, I realized 
I, I was lying to myself because I told myself I was working nights and weekends because once I get X, Y, Z, and, and, and for me, that was to, to have the million dollar net worth, right? Yep. And then I sold the company and I hit it and I'm a happy guy. And I was extremely happy, right? But like two weeks later, I started working nights and weekends again. I'm like, oh, I got to break this pattern now. So mm-hmm. I started seeing a therapist and I still see a therapist. And I started really putting my mental health at the forefront of everything. And then I went through the whole process of like, what is my mission statement? What are my core values? And I'm asking friends and family and I'm putting in spreadsheets and I'm writing my own obituary. of like, what do I want to be known for? And it came down to me, my mission statement, which is now the company mission statement, is to find joy and fulfillment despite life's dirtiness in myself and others. So I want to be happy and I want to be fulfilled. Fulfillment is typically coming, it comes from focusing on something bigger than yourself. And then the key here, the best phrase is that despite life's dirtiness. So yeah, it's dirty dough, right? But what it's speaking to is don't wait for life to be perfect in order to fill joy and fulfillment, which comes right back to that balance. So now my focus isn't how how do I make the most amount of money or it's, it's how am I happy and how am I fulfilled? And that means family time every day. That means mm-hmm. you, you look at my calendar, six o'clock every day is family dinner. Every Friday is date night with my wife. I don't work past five o'clock. I don't work weekends. Now, every once in a while, maybe I'm out of town. And there's very few exceptions to that. Um, but it's setting those boundaries and knowing like, oh, well, if I could make this deal, then it's like, well, who cares if you can make that deal? Because is that going to make you happy or can you choose to be happy today and spend mm-hmm. time with your family? So it's setting up those parameters. Like I, I, I'm going to work the 40 hours and not going to work past that because I know what I'm after and I'm after joint fulfillment and I'm not after money. Man, I love that too. Let's uh, mention that and just broke it all down of just, you know, you're after joint fulfillment and that's unique too, that you shared that realization. Uh, yeah. Because I'm sure once you hit that goal, you're like, hell yeah, let's go. And then you hit the goal and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Um, and yeah, I'm going to challenge listeners to go back and listen to like minute, what, 28 or 27 through 32. Cause I think a lot of people are in that position where they're like grinding hard for their family, me included. But then it's like, wait, you can't let those things sit on the back burner. You can't let fulfillment and happiness. So um, thanks for mentioning that, man. Um, last thing I want to ask you is just kind of just general lessons, right? For, for anybody out there new in entrepreneurship. I know you shared a few, but is there any like that you want to make sure you share? Let's say someone sees you on the street. They're like, Bennett, heard you on Chris's podcast, Next Level Minds. What advice do you have for me if you had a couple seconds, you know, walking across the crosswalk, what are some things you think you would mention? Yeah, get get clear on what you're after. And again, it, it can't be money um, because money isn't a thing. Is is it money to buy the car to have the status mm. that, that you've been seeking? Well, why do you want that status? Why do you care about what other people think? How about you go see a therapist instead and figure out how to be cool and okay with yourself without that car? Because I promise when you get that car, if you're depending on other people's validation, then once that, then that's scary, dude. Cause that's how I've lived my whole life is I'm, I'm, I'm basing it off other people's validation. So now you're in control about how I feel because if Chris doesn't like me and, and validate my company or my car or my lifestyle, then, then I'm screwed. So that's one thing, get clear on what you want. Like determine what is your mission statement, not your company's mission, your, not your company's mission statement, your mission statement. And then the second one is, uh, you got to be measuring success. You got to know what you're measuring, right? So for me, it's all about growth. 
personal growth, not financial growth. And that's, I think, the only way that you knock 50,000 doors without freaking going crazy is there's days I don't sell anything. So rather than saying this day was a waste, that was, I didn't make any money, it's what did I learn from today? So it kind of goes back to a principle I learned in a book called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's work in your 20s, work to learn, not to earn. So it's what did I learned today. Yeah, I made no sales. Yeah, I got 10 FUs. How can I change my pitch on the next door or the next day so they don't bring up that objection? Oh, you're the fifth guy that comes back, you know, comes by here. Well, my, the next door I'm going to knock, I'm going to say, hey, dude, I know I'm the fifth guy that comes by here. Who's going to say, oh, you're the fifth guy that came by here? You yeah. know, like anything you, any objection you have that you can ever say to me, if I bring it up first, there is no more objection and I can overcome that. So it's focusing on, I didn't, I've never failed in my life. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned from other things, but I'm not measuring my success in the day off of anything financial. Because I, sometimes I just can't control that. But what I can control is my attitude and if I'm learning and progressing as an individual. And then it doesn't matter if I sell anything or not. Did I progress? Yes. Cool. Now my spirits are up, right? And now I can survive another day. And, and you keep doing that. So focus on learning and bettering yourself rather than making the most money that's possible. And the money will always come. Yeah, man. I love that you mentioned that. I've read that book as well. And I remember he, he mentioned, you know, work to learn, not to earn in your 20s. Um, and those are going to compound, right? If you learn a ton in your early 20s, that's going to compound later in life. Um, and good point, man. Focus on what you can control, your attitude, your behavior. Like I said, I'm in sales as well. Like seven meetings today, five of them were just, two of them were good. But the other five, I'm like, what can I learn from it? How can I move on to the next one? So appreciate you sharing that. We got a lot of sales folks listening to the podcast. So they'll, they'll kind of be laughing here, but Awesome, man. This was a, this was a blast. Super solid episode. Thanks again for joining and I uh, really appreciate the time spent. Last question, where can people connect with you, learn more about Dirty Dough? Because I, I want to make sure you have a chance to share that as well. Yeah, betamaxwell.com. So B-E-N-N-E-T-T, Maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L. There's my website there. Um, we actually just released a podcast this week. It's called Deeper Than Dough. Uh, and we're interviewing entrepreneurs. Again, how, how are we lining up with our core values? what's our why behind it and not getting lost in the chase for success that we forget to have joy and fulfillment now. So that's the podcast. But anyways, that's, that's the best way to, to find me. I try to post every day on all platforms, LinkedIn, you know, Facebook, all of that, um, and try to provide as much value as I can. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, thanks again, Bennett, for uh, being a guest on the show. I really appreciate the time spent. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Bennett and the social media handles that are listed in the show notes. Other than that, as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.